Today's episode is a little bit different than what I've done the last, well, 16 episodes. This is episode 17. And not that we're really changing the format a whole lot or anything like that. I'm not doing anything crazy like that. But as I was compiling the notes for this episode and thinking about the things I wanted to talk about, I realized that the disc golf tip and the disc review oddly work very close together. Well, oddly if you know we were doing a normal disc review, but for what we're talking about today, you'll see why we're talking about the disc golf tip and the disc review together in this episode. Hey everybody, what is up? It's Antonio. Welcome to episode 17 of Teach Play Disc Golf, a a gladiator disc golf podcast. I am so excited to have you with me on the show today. I am super, super excited for what we're talking about because like I said in the intro, we have some little bit of spice to today's episode. I am really excited. We're going to be talking about a disc golf skill that is related to the form, but ties very closely to the disc that we are reviewing. And that's because the disc we are reviewing is not a disc. It is PDGA approved, but it is not a disc. We are talking about the Frisbee, Ultimate Frisbee, Ultra Star, whatever you want to call it, we're reviewing this disc right beside me. I am so excited uh, to talk about that and how it relates to our disc golf tip, which is basically how you can kind of like break your muscle memory or take a break from disc golf and sort of Uh, give yourself an opportunity to kind of forget some bad habits or really just kind of erase some bad muscle memory. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I won't go into too much detail now, but we're going to talk about the Frisbee. Then uh, we're going to talk about that skill, talk about the Frisbee, and then we are going to recap DDO, talk about some interesting stuff that I saw on Instagram related to DDO, and then we will preview the True Bank Des Moines Challenge, which was a Disc Golf Pro Tour event last year, and it is again this year, and that will be this week's episode. I am so excited to take you through this with me, and I can't wait to hear some of your thoughts about our Disc Golf tip and disc review and the tournaments themselves. So let's go ahead and let's get right into it. I see it all the time on my Discord server, on social media, in the YouTube comments. People are struggling with their form, and it always tends to happen at different times for everyone. It's never necessarily, oh, we're in that time of year where everyone struggles with their form. Not at all like that, but I have noticed that everybody struggles with their form from time to time. I think that's a normal thing. I think it's good because uh, if you're never struggling with your form, there's a couple of th- reasons why that may be. One, you're not trying anything new. You're not r- trying to improve and you may not be playing enough uh, to really notice that. Now, if you're also not never struggling with your form, a possibly good thing about that is that you just enjoy playing disc golf for fun. You enjoy talking with friends and family about disc golf, but you're not uh constantly trying to improve your game and there's nothing wrong with that it's a great game to go out and play and just get some exercise so if that's kind of the camp that you fall into that is awesome Um, but for those that are working on their scores and improving and playing in tournaments and competition you do care about your form and playing well and when you hit those rough patches those struggles it can be really difficult to overcome those 
And so this past week, week and a half almost, I've basically been forced to not play disc golf. You know, uh, my wife and I knew that the month of June was going to be crazy busy for us with travel. And it has lived up to that, you know, every weekend we're basically traveling. And it's not just like the two days, Saturday, Sunday, it's long weekends going all over the country, really traveling. And so that has made playing disc golf difficult because the things we're traveling for um, don't leave us a lot of time to hit a disc golf course or are there even disc golf courses nearby? So these sort of forced breaks this month have been both difficult, but also helpful. And there's a couple reasons why for that, I've been able to really just mentally think about my form and just kind of think about the habits I wanna break and the habits I wanna form. But also I've been giving my body the physical rest that it needs. You know, I think we tend to think that because disc golf isn't a high intensity exercise that it doesn't put uh, some strain and everything on our bodies. And that's just not the case, especially uh, if you play on courses like I play with a lot of elevation and that kind of thing, it can start to wear down your body, even if you're not necessarily feeling exhausted all the time. So with all of this being, you know, struggling with disc golf form and then all the force breaks that I've basically am forced to take, how are those two things coming together? Well, muscle memory is a beautiful thing. Muscle memory helps us do tasks uh, that are super complicated to super simple without even thinking about it, okay? If you drive to work every day, you have muscle memory. Now, obviously, you're still paying attention to what you're doing um, because if you didn't, you'd probably get into an accident. <laughs> but, you know, that muscle memory, you know when to turn, you know when to take the exit, <clears throat> you know when to start braking, okay? Like you learned about your car and that kind of thing. And then muscle memory, opening a drawer. You don't have to actively think about how do I open this handle? Do I pull the handle down? Do I twist the handle? You've developed muscle memory. And those are from more complicated things like driving, which can be high engagement, to just opening a door handle. Well, the same thing for disc golf. Muscle memory is a beautiful thing because it helps us retain the good habits. When you're really hitting a putting stroke or your form is in a really good spot, you're finding that you're doing the same things over and over. Muscle memory. But the same thing happens when we are struggling, when we keep missing our putts. We tend to keep having the same miss, right? Oh, I keep missing high and right, or oh, I keep missing low and left. And same thing with our drives, when things just aren't clicking. And that's because muscle memory while it's great to help us retain good habits, especially when we're not doing things uh, a lot uh, over a span of time because we're having some breaks, it can also make it more difficult for us to break bad habits when we're doing the same thing over and over and over without breaks. And so one of the first couple episodes of this show, I talked about how rest is really important. And this episode, today's episode, is similar to that in that taking an unexpected rest for me uh, wasn't, like I said, exactly planned, but it's not the worst thing because I've been able to take my rest and do something else disc-related to kind of bring me to a different mindset. And that's because what I have found over the last week is that by being on a forced break, I've been playing more Frisbee. I've been doing, you know, I've been playing catch by myself, basically doing MTA 
throwing the disc up into the air and catching it. And one of the things that I'm finding is that without even thinking about it, I went to my ultimate Frisbee days. I went to my ultimate Frisbee form. I added some adjustments because I knew, hey, if I knew that this could help me in disc golf and it can help me here as well. And I just found that by throwing a different type of disc, a Frisbee to be exact, I was able to really get out of my head and actually feel like I've improved my form. You know, one of the uh, biggest issues that I have is getting that rotation, that chest rotation a little too early. Now we really aren't like rotating and spinning our chest when we throw, but our follow through, if it comes in a little too soon, I end up having the disc hitting my chest. And that's also uh, partially because I have this really bad habit of bringing the disc in too close to me, which is some from some other bad habits uh, that I've been working on breaking over a while. So obviously, as you can tell, there's a lot of muscle memory here with bad habits that I'm having to break. And throwing the Frisbee, I never had those bad habits. And so all of a sudden, I'm throwing this disc. And yes, I'm throwing up into the air. I'm not necessarily throwing flat throws, but I wasn't having those issues whatsoever. And so I kind of just was going back to throwing the disc relaxed, throwing the disc for fun, and it really got me into this good space. Now, there are similar components in throwing a disc off and uh, in throwing a disc and throwing a Frisbee, but I will say so that nobody jumps me, all right, there are big differences. Um, yes, the way you hold each of the discs tends to be pretty similar or you can hold them in similar ways, but they do fly differently uh, a frisbee, you're going to throw a little bit more nose up so that you can get that glide, and you can also are going, you are also going to throw it from a lot lower position and let it rise because the nose up angle and just how much glide a frisbee has. So while there are some similarities, there all there are also some vast differences, but that's good here, and that's because we want to take our mind off of disc golf specifically, but not lose some good repetitions. Um, you know, that could translate back to disc golf. And so, you know, although the sports are different, you can have a lot more fun and be a lot more relaxed throwing a Frisbee um, because it's slower, it's glidier, it's typically more understable than any disc we might have in the bag. And so it's a great way to get in some reps without stressing about form. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Like I mentioned, you know, throwing from the low and getting the disc to rise and lift high. A Frisbee is pretty much made for standstill throws and for catching. And so your whole mindset is a lot different when you're throwing a Frisbee. You're not working on an X step. Uh, even the only time that, a, that an ultimate Frisbee player is doing a run up is on the huck. And if you don't know what the huck is, it's basically think of like a kickoff in football. You have the uh, the kicker running to the ball or jogging to the ball, however you want to talk about it, before he kicks it to gain momentum. So in Ultimate Frisbee, uh, the player who's hucking the disc down on the sort of kickoff is going to take a couple steps to build momentum behind the disc and will more than likely do an X step like disc golf. But that is the only time that an ultimate frisbee player is moving when they throw. Every other time, it's a pivot or a standstill. And so, and 
the pivot normally leads into the standstill. And so you have a lot of simplified movement when you're throwing the Frisbee. And so with this sort of change in mindset, you tend to not worry about a couple things. And I have just found that over the last week of doing this, I've been able to really take my disc golf brain and put it on the shelf and let it rest and really just have fun throwing the disc, throwing the Frisbee, throwing the lid, and really just, you know, working out some kinks in my form, but really overall just having fun and doing something different, although similar. And what that's done for my muscle memory is it's like, okay, we remember doing this, but we also don't have a lot of bad habits to break. And we're also not stressed and tense about what we're actually doing. So there's been a lot of positive things to come from that. And so that's been really enjoyable. And I want to encourage you with this. If you are struggling to fix your form and that kind of thing, you may want to give throwing. I should have said this a lot sooner, so I apologize for that. But what I was getting at is like, hey, if you're struggling with your form and your muscle memory, try throwing a Frisbee. Whether it's by yourself or with family, like most people can throw a Frisbee even if they've never picked it up before. It's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. The Frisbee is very forgiving. Try doing that because it completely, it just changes your mindset and the way you're looking at what your body is actually doing. You don't start thinking about it a lot. So it can be something that is super helpful and can really get you out of your mind while also still doing a disc flying activity. Now, I am hoping to play later this week. Uh, probably, I didn't get to play today, a Tuesday when I record. Probably not going to get to play tomorrow, Wednesday. Hopefully, we'll get to play Thursday, and then I won't get to play the rest of the weekend. <laughs> and so things have just been crazy like that. So I'm hoping to play on Thursday, and I'm really excited to just kind of see what the last week of just throwing a Frisbee have been has been for me. And I'm really excited to share those results with you. So um, that's basically that. Now I want to transition from talking about this skill and why it's helpful to maybe throw a Frisbee and to talk about the disc itself or the Frisbee itself. So like I mentioned earlier, for our review, we are going to be talking about the ultimate Frisbee. Now, not just any Frisbee that you go pick up is PVGA approved, okay? But the Discraft Ultrastar, in case you didn't know, Discraft made a lot of their money and made their name in Ultimate Frisbee. Yes, they've had discs for a long time in the world of disc golf, but um, Ultimate Frisbee has always been more popular than disc golf. Uh, maybe now they're a little bit more equal, but that's kind of where Discraft made a lot of their names uh, and their recognition in the uh, Ultimate Frisbee world. So the Ultra Star is actually PVGA approved. And what I have here is not an Ultra Star necessarily. It is a Discraft Frisbee, but it's one of those like glow in the sun ones that turns purple in the sun. But this Frisbee is probably about three. Actually, let me think. I had it my first year teaching in Texas. So we're or second year, we're looking at about four or five years old. So it no longer turns purple in the sun, <laughs> which is a little sad. But I mean, this is 175 gram uh, Discraft Sport Disc is what it calls it. So it's not the Ultra Star, but it's very similar. And that's because the Ultra Stars are basically 
approved for ultimate frisbee competition and then obviously they are also pvga approved and so this since it glows and everything uh, is not approved for that but it's pretty much the same uh, kind of disc it just glows um, but yeah so we have a ultra star wannabe here <laughs> you know still by discraft and everything 175 grams but basically a frisbee we do not have necessarily, as from what I could find, uh, any outlined flight numbers. So the flight numbers that I'm going to give you are just based on my experience of, you know, eight years of throwing discs or nine, eight or nine years of throwing discs slash Frisbees. And even more than that, if you count when I would play Ultimate Frisbee in high school at camps and whatnot and for fun. So going more closer to 15. And I'm going to say that following disc golf's flight numbering system that is uh, pretty much made popular by innova i'm going to give an an ultra star a frisbee one speed maximum glide of seven i'm going to say minus four turn you could convince me maybe minus three turn but i'm definitely not giving you minus two turn so minus four turn maybe minus three and zero fade i wouldn't give it any fade whatsoever um, this disc only fades if you throw it softly or you throw it on what we will call hyzer or I believe inside out in ultimate frisbee lingo and you give it a lot of air and let it kind of come back um, for a more steep hyzer so to speak. But this disc when thrown flat is not going to fade. It will turn and depending how hard you threw it flat, it may just turn and burn or it may turn and finish flat. Um, just, you know, depending on the speed that you threw it. But yeah, so I would say one seven minus four zero for an ultimate Frisbee. Now, if you've never picked one up, you're missing out on a lot of fun stuff. So as you can tell, it's a lot wider. I have a glitch right here. It's a lot bigger than a glitch than another disc. I have a driver right here as well. A lot bigger than a driver. Um, so it's large. It's also quite tall you know, probably a solid inch, maybe a little bit more in height. Uh, it has a ribbed edge here. So these Discraft approved ones, like I said, this is not necessarily an ultra star, but it's very similar to it, just close in the dark, has the ribbed edge there to help with grip, which is ideal because if a ultra star or a Frisbee was not ribbed right on that edge and it was just a smooth plastic that you have everywhere else, it'd be really hard to grip something this tall and sort of awkward in the hand uh, without that grippage so that is super helpful to have it's obviously very wide and it's 175 grams but it feels way lighter because it's less dense now i know uh, as i've already said here you know weight is not necessarily a direct component of density but since it's spread out over a little bit more surface area it definitely feels lighter even though it's not so i just want to be clear on that it's still 175 grams so it's not lighter than, you know, like a max weight driver or something, but it feels it because it's just spread out over more and has a lot more airspace underneath it. Um, when you go to hold it, one of the things you're going to notice if you just kind of make like a U with your hand is that when you go to hold it, like your fingers have to curl really far inside more than they would for a disc. That's just because the height and then the slight, uh, not really dome because the middle of the flight plate is flat but just the curved edge rising up 
it's going to have a pretty good bit of space underneath. And so that's why grabbing the edge is pretty comfortable um, for a power grip throw or doing a little bit of a modified fan grip um, for a more touch. And some people throw power. This is kind of how I throw. I don't really throw it with a full power grip. I've always done modified grip when throwing a Frisbee. But this disc, super fun, feels light, isn't technically light. Um, very understable disc when you throw it. If you want this disc to fly straight, depending on how far you're trying to throw it, the more uh, hyzer degree you have to give it. So if you're trying to really rip on this disc and have it finish left, you know, kind of like a hyzer flip to fade, you're going to need to throw it with severe hyzer, throw it hard, it'll flip up and then finish uh, to the left a little bit. But if you want it to go and turn and keep turning, you're gonna be able to put a little less angle on it and it will still flip up. So super forgiving disc. You know, as someone who played ultimate for years before playing disc golf, um, I've realized over time that is why I love throwing hyzer flips, why I naturally throw hyzer flips, and why I love understable discs so much. I think they're the most fun to throw. Even neutral discs, I love throwing them on hyzer. And this is why I don't bag a ton of overstable discs or I find a way to just, you know, work, stick with an overstable disc and just beat it in over time so that I can get some nice hyzer flip plays. It's just what is comfortable for me. Now, it's PDJ approved, so why don't we see a lot of players throwing it? And there's good reason for that. If you can throw an ultimate Frisbee 300 feet, you have absolutely smashed this disc, okay? If you can throw a Frisbee 300 feet, the length of a football field, that is an absolute rip for the average ultimate Frisbee player. Um, absolute rip. Um, probably on the high end of, you know, like, I haven't actually looked up like, furthest distance to throw an ultimate frisbee i'm sure it's further than 300 feet like it's probably maybe even close to double that actually let me look that up real quick because now that's really interesting so the world record distance um ultimate frisbee and let's see what is the world distance wow no way okay the world record is I forgot about this. It's thirteen hundred is one thousand three hundred thirty-three feet, uh, more than a quarter mile, which is absolutely insane. I'm not going to watch the video because you guys wouldn't be able to see it. That is absolutely insane. Um, it sounds like there might have been some kind of assistance though, because under that it says the longest uh, throw of any object without any velocity aiding feature is a boomerang at four at over fourteen hundred feet. So yeah, that's just absolutely insane. The uh, the longest ultimate frisbee throw. Um, it looks like there's a couple variations, but basically, I mean thirteen hundred feet just blows it out. But the average person. That's what I'll stick with here. The average person, if they can throw a Frisbee 300 feet, the length of a football field, that is a really, really good throw um, because it just is given how understable this disc is and how much height you would have to uh, get under it for it to just glide and glide and glide forever. Um, so yeah, so that would be an absolute rip. Now, 
That being said, that's why you really don't see a lot of pros throwing it because they can throw other discs that have a lot more uh, integrity at that kind of high speed further. And so also, this disc just wouldn't fit in most disc golf bags today very comfortably. It really change the way you build your bag and it'd just be really awkward. But you can go take it and actually compete with the Frisbee if you wanted to or just play a casual round, which is what I plan on doing very soon. But that's why you don't really see uh, anyone really competing with it. I've never seen a pro complete competing with the Frisbee because you can get discs that fit better in the bag that fly further and are a little bit more predictable. Obviously, someone who plays Frisbee a lot, Ultimate, they're going to be very familiar with a Frisbee with a lid. But, um, you know, there's a lot of wind on a disc golf course. And the wind changes a little bit more than, you know, maybe in a stadium or in a soccer field where it's going to be more consistent from one direction. Uh, this might be really difficult. You can't throw this in a headwind because it's just going to flip so fast. But in a tailwind, it would bomb a lot so that's basically why you don't see anyone doing it but i do plan on playing around at liberty i've posted a good bit about the co local course here liberty kind of my home course now and i want to definitely play with this frisbee out there because it's a nice short course but it has some pretty cool lines and i think it could work really well with a uh, with a frisbee so i've been meaning to do it and i will definitely share my experience in a future episode and probably make an instagram reel or youtube short about that uh, and everything so that is the disc review and I hope that disc review kind of gives you some insight as to why you should consider throwing a Frisbee if you are dealing with some form issues or you're wanting to just take a break or you're kind of on a forced hiatus where you're not able to play for a couple of days or a few weeks or you're only able to play intermittently like me. Throwing a Frisbee is a great way to kind of keep that motion fresh but uh, not be thinking so disc golf oriented. If you need some help uh, with those skills, by the way, send me a video on GiveGo. You can get your first video for free with discount code Regiro. And if you want to pick up, I don't know that OTB sells Frisbees, but if you need to pick up a disc, the disc review is always sponsored by OTB Discs. You can head over to their website or otbeast.com if you're on the East Coast. Use discount code GladiatorDG for free shipping and get yourself some really cool discs. They've just recently uploaded a bunch of new discs that are really, really sweet. So you definitely want to go ahead and check those out. So let's go ahead and let's recap the DDO. So the DDO was pretty interesting, I'll say, um, and not necessarily all in the best ways. It was very quiet. Like if you looked past the players and at the crowds, there weren't a ton of people like we're used to seeing. There was no wind because it was a different time of year. I didn't make that connection last week when I was previewing DDO. I didn't realize that. So there was no wind uh, really to, to account for. And truthfully, that's made kind of watching the the coverage, the post-produced coverage, a little boring. Without wind, this course is fairly easy for the pros to score on. Now, I'm not saying that I would be shooting, you know, minus 27 or whatever. It's not that easy. This course is still tough. It's got some OB right there. It's kind of easy to get into the OB if you just take a bad skip. There's a lot of trees. It's not quite a wooded course, but there's trees in the fairway that definitely ha affect the way you throw the disc. It's not an easy course by any means. 
I'm just saying that it's easier because there was no wind. And with it being DDO, it kind of felt weird watching DDO and not seeing any wind, not seeing any of that challenge that we're used to seeing. Uh, it was definitely a little bit less intimidating of a course of a tournament than maybe we were expecting. And I'm also wondering, and I believe that that is why we saw quite a few more eagles on this course than maybe we are accustomed to seeing uh, because a lot of the distances and pars didn't change for the lack of wind. It was just their you know, the lack of wind made it much more attackable, which is why we saw higher scores. Remember, in last week's episode, we talked about how Ricky won with a score of minus 10 and Kristen won with a score of minus three or minus five. So I combined, it was, you know, minus 15 for first place. Whereas minus 15 this week or this past weekend, I should say, um, let's see, minus 15 would have gotten you tied for 35th and now and that's between so then we go minus 10 actually for ricky score last week would have gotten you tied for 57th at minus 10 and an fpo minus three would have gotten you 11th place minus five would have gotten you ninth place so the winning scores last week uh, or last year i should say would have done you no good this year which is just really uh kind of crazy to think about but yeah that is kind of how much the wind affects that course and when a when a weather condition like that plays such a big component on course design and how the players attack it it definitely changes the way it feels when it's not there and that's why it was kind of boring now i mentioned something about the lack of crowds uh, i follow a couple of disc golf meme pages so i'm going to shout one out here i followed this one for a while now Chuck Disks made a meme about how there were no crowds. They showed 2021 crowds, 2022 crowds, and 2023 crowds. And it was pretty eye-opening. And when you're watching post-produced coverage or if you watch live, you probably didn't pick up on it maybe immediately, but you started to notice, hey, there's just not a lot of crowds um, at this event. Now, I don't know if it's because they changed the dates or what have you i don't know anything specifically but we have been noticing a downward trend since the covid pandemic remember disc golf pro tour bought out jomez because jomez wasn't able to pay the two hundred fifty thousand dollar price tag for lead card coverage well why couldn't they because they weren't able to make enough money with merchandise sales they weren't able to make enough money based on their views, okay? And so viewership, if that's kind of the main moneymaker, which when you have hundreds of thousands of subscribers and you get hundreds of thousands of views on every video, if you notice, if you have a drop in that viewership, your bank account's going to be affected. So we already kind of saw this happening, you know, most recently with the buyout for uh, between the Disc Golf Pro Tour and Jomez, but I guess you're, you know, starting to see a little bit more. Now, what was, I had a conversation actually with Chuck Disks about this in, the, in our DMs and everything. And it, it almost feels like disc golf was on this bubble, this trajectory, okay, because of the COVID pandemic and people being exposed to the sport. 
And so the question that we get to talk about and kind of ask is, did that bubble burst? And did it burst because they didn't take, meaning PDGA, Disc Golf Pro Tour, did it burst because they didn't take advantage of opportunities that were before them? What I mean specifically here is something that Chuck Disks pointed out, meaning not going to ESPN. Pickleball went to ESPN. Um, Cornhole has been on ESPN for a while, but there was another sport now that I'm drawing a blank on that went to ESPN and those sports are still growing. But disc golf is starting to slow down a little bit. Now, disc golf network, uh, subscriptions are down, payment is down, you know, people are watching less live disc golf. It seems like post-produced coverage is down as well. So we're seeing this happen. Does that mean that all these disc golfers are going and looking at these other sports? Not necessarily. Uh, I think you're always going to have the, com the, the core community that will be there. And I, you know, disc golf is still going to be a thing. I'm not worried about it disappearing or anything like that. But when we're talking about you know, hashtag grow the sport. If we're going to, as a community, continue to sort of use that hashtag and, and do these things, would growing the sport mean bringing it to uh, outlets that can do more with the content, i.e. ESPN? Even if we're on ESPN Ocho, all right? Um, well, that ESPN Ocho, well, no, that would be ESPN 8. I don't think that's just a Spanish. That would be ESPN Deportes. Uh, but basically just getting on ESPN, would that be helpful? Probably. And they didn't. So it's something very interesting to watch for because those crowds were very, very small. I mean, I, we were watching lead card coverage and it was like hardly any crowds. And it's in June. It was beautiful weather. It's not like it was raining. We've seen bigger crowds at tournaments where there was rain uh, than what we saw at DDO. Is this just a blip on the screen? Is there is you know is this an overreaction? It's possible. I'm not saying that I fully believe one way or the other, but I just think you know we get to have these conversations as a disc golf community. Is this something we need to be looking for? Now, I don't know what the answer is. I guess I'm going to start paying more attention to a lot of footage and just kind of seeing, is this a trend or was that just a blip on the screen? Let me know in the comments on YouTube or leave, you know, leaving a review for the episode or just DMing me on Instagram at Gladiator Disc Golf. What do you think? Is, uh, are we seeing that bubble kind of burst? Are we seeing just a blip on the screen? What do you think PDGA and uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour should have done? What do you think they can do? Uh, what do you think the future of Disc Golf looks like? You know, I want to hear from you, so let me know. But enough about all that. Let's go ahead and let's talk about uh, the tournament itself and the players. So we had a great mix of younger and newer talent, especially on the MPO side, duking it out with seasoned vets, even though they might still be young seasoned vets. Uh, for specifically, Parker Welk gained a lot of fans over the weekend. Obviously, because he won, people were like, who is this guy? And they're looking him up and they're following him, in, following him on Instagram. Friends are posting about him. And so they're, everybody's picking up on this guy. They're looking at him. He's Prodigy sponsored. All this good stuff. First off, another guy for Prodigy winning. So Prodigy 
really having a good year this year, if we're being completely honest with their MPO team. So, but there's that. But then also, he has a, seems to have a pretty fun attitude. In round two, he made a sick putt on hole nine to save bogey. And I say save bogey because he went OB-OB and then made what seemed like a 60-foot putt between two trees and then proceeded to ninja jump through the trees as a lot of the comments were describing it as Jeremy Colling described it. So really seems to have a good attitude, picked up a lot of fans. And one thing I'm noticing is that there are just more and more sort of unknown or less popular MPO players really competing this year. Um, you know, if you're active on social media and, and in the disc golf world, like you may have heard rumblings of some of these players, but if you're fairly new or you just pop in and out of disc golf to just watch some tournament coverage here or there, you may not have heard about guys like Sullivan Tipton and Silas Schultz. Uh, you probably heard of Isaac Robinson and Alden Harris if you followed last year and the year before, but now we have guys like Parker Welk and Evan Scott. Um, and I even think, you know, we've seen uh, Evan Smith showing up a lot. So just a lot of really cool players that um, are just really popping up and really competing more, being near the top of the leaderboards, just basically showing that, hey, the future of professional disc golf is in good hands. We can also say the very same thing on the FPO side. It was a great tournament and came down to the wire. Going into hole 18, you had multiple players in contention. We had several uh, eagles on hole 18 to force a playoff between Holland Hanley and Haley King. And you had Ella Hansen in the mix as well. But I got to say, something about the last couple of years of playoffs is that it just seems lackluster. I'm almost like, okay, we're going to the playoffs and it's exciting. But personally, I never get super excited because I'm like, it's going to be a one hole playoff. One player is going to have a good throw. One player is going to have a bad throw. And then it's going to be easy. Like I am still waiting for the playoff where it goes one hole and then another hole and then another hole and then another hole. And I think that will make playoffs way more exciting. Obviously, we can't force that. That's on the players when they're competing. But I just don't get as excited as, you know, maybe some of the commenters are getting or just maybe fans in general are getting about playoffs because I'm just like, it's just, it's probably going to end after this one hole. So to me, it's not that exciting. Uh, I think if we were able to get a couple more holes of play, that would be way more exciting. But like I said, you know, there's really no way to force that. Um, but yes, so Haley King won in a playoff against um, Holland Hanley. And like in that specific instance, Haley made the landing zone, uh, made the island on hole 16. But she still had like a 15-foot putt. And Holland Hanley couldn't make it onto the island. And so it was one of those where... Haley could have laid up. She did make the birdie. She she ran the putt, you know, which is a risk in and of itself. But it was just one of those things. If both players made the island, that would have been so much more intense. But it's always really frustrating seeing a playoff where it basically is like one player makes the good throw, then one player makes such a bad throw or an egregious error like going OB that it basically means that the player who landed safely can play for par and be totally fine. But 
enough about that. You know, one thing I've noticed over this year, and I've talked about this a lot, and we saw last year as well, is the FPO field is getting better pretty much every single week. Uh, and it was really good seeing Ella and Holland in contention because they've been so close so many tournaments. It was good for Haley King to get the win. Kristen was in the top five, but she was a little off this year or this week, this weekend, and that's okay. So let's go ahead and let's run into the results. So on the MPO side of things, we had Parker Welk in first at minus 31, Calvin in second at minus 30. Third place, we had Evan Smith, Matty O, and Alden Harris tied with a score of minus 27. Sixth place was Ezra Robinson, Ricky Wysocki, and uh, and those, yeah, I almost said another player. Those two at minus 25. Ben Callaway in eighth at minus 24. Mason Marchbanks, Emerson Keith, Joel Freeman tied for ninth at minus 22. So nine strokes separating the top 10 players. And then on the FPO side of things, we had Haley King, first place at minus 19. Holland Hanley, also minus 19, but in second place because she lost a playoff. Third place, Ella Hansen at minus 18. Fourth place, Kristen Tatar at minus 16. Katrina Allen in fifth place at minus 13. Sixth place, Missy Gannon at minus 10. Seventh place, Deanne Carey at minus 9. Jennifer Allen at minus 8 in eighth place. And Allie Smith in ninth place at minus 5. And then tied for 10th, we had Holly Finley and Kat Merch at minus 4. So we had a 15-stroke separation between first and 10th. So... Uh, but those first five spots are really close. It's This is one of those things where, man, I really want to see Missy Gannon uh, finish a tournament strong. I've been noticing this, and I haven't talked about it a lot, but she will perform well round one and two, and sometimes, and you know, get on the lead card coverage, and then just, you know, a dud round three final round for example rounds one and two she shot 65 65 then she shot a 70 round three so i'm just hoping to kind of see her uh not only be in contention to be on lead card but also to potentially win uh and compete really well because she was in the hunt you know Haley king shot a 67 and a 62 round one and two Holland Hanley went 63-66, Ella went 64-65, Kristen went 65-66, Katrina Allen went 68-65. So Missy 65-65, she was right in the mix of all of that. But she of all those players I just listed, she shot a 70 round three. The next closest player was Katrina Allen, who shot a 64. So it's just one of those things where something about Missy's game, she's going to have to kind of figure out, you know, uh, how to keep it in high gear that final round. But that is the DDO. And so good tournament overall. Okay to watch. I'm hoping that maybe next year they move it back to, um, I think it's August or at least July, where it's windier conditions. I think it just makes it more fun to watch. So now the True Bank Des Moines Challenge. Now, if you were like me, you're like, oh, yeah. What happened in this one last year? Well, let me remind you. Last year, Simon won in a playoff against Robert Bur- Robert Burridge. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, that was a really fun tournament to watch. It was going back and forth. They actually went into a playoff. And I actually think that playoff, 
I think it went multiple holes. I can't remember now, but I think it might have gone multiple holes. What wasn't so cool is afterwards when Robert Burridge made a super clutch putt. Um, Simon, you know, like a day later or in a post-conference, um, basically called it lucky and said that it wasn't clutch when it was all luck. And that definitely rubbed some people the wrong way. I still think we all love Simon, but it was like, dude, it was clutch. It wasn't lucky. It's not like he hit a tree and it rebounded into the basket. That would be lucky. This was just clutch. But uh, last year's uh, MPO was a two-horse race between those guys, Simon and Robert Burridge, because they had a six-stroke lead over third place. So it, nobody was. they weren't even worried about anybody else. It was just the two of them going head-to-head. Kristen Tatar, of course, she won last year with a four-stroke lead. But I am super excited for this weekend because there are a lot of big names playing. But most specifically, and the player I want to focus on for a minute here, Paige Pierce is back. She is back. She hasn't competed since the Portland Open at the beginning of June. So this will be her second event of the month, but it will be about three weeks, three and a half weeks since she last competed. And one thing I noticed, I went on her profile, she has only maximum played two events a month this season. And May, she only played one event. So she is averaging about one and a half events per month. Now, I haven't seen anyone really talking about this. I don't know. I have to go check her uh, socials and just kind of see if she's addressed this, but I haven't seen anything like, why is she not playing every week? What's going on? If you know or you have an idea, please share that with me. I'd love to know more about that. I'm going to be looking into it, uh, especially with this upcoming um, week with her playing and everything. I'll be really excited to see that. So, um, yeah, the most recent months, only one event. So I'm really excited to see her play. Uh, she is just great. And I will say this, um, I am definitely when the... Uh, grip six picks come up i am definitely going to be picking Paige pierce because every time she has come back from a break she has pretty much finished top five and she's won two of them so she has a first first and a fifth so for my grip six picks when they are open they're not open right now i'm definitely going to be picking Paige pierce so you should too uh that way we can all get first place <laughs> but yeah so i'm i am excited for the des moines challenge it was a really cool event last year. There were some really cool water carries and some really cool holes. I'm excited to see. We have pretty much all the big names playing. Paul is still over in Europe on during the Euro Tour. Uh, and there is coverage of those events there. The Kona Piste Open it was this past weekend. I did not get to watch it, which is why I didn't get to talk about it. I do want to watch it because that course is gorgeous. And that's probably what I will do. But that is all I have for today's episode, guys. I sure hope you enjoyed it. I want to encourage you to reach out to someone this week, teach them and encourage them in the world of disc golf. If you know that they're maybe struggling, bring up my tip about throwing ultimate Frisbees, throwing an ultra star, just kind of getting out of their head, still doing a throwing disc motion, but not necessarily disc golf. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and get out and play some, uh, disc golf this week. I'm going to try and play on Thursday, and I hope you can get out and play this weekend. And that is all I have for you today, everybody. Until next time, have a great round. Mm -hmm.